This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Bluebird for Children Written by Georgette LeBlanc Edited by Frederick Orville Perkins Translated by Alexander Tirexir de Matos And read by Ian King Chapter 4 The Palace of Night some time after the children and their friends met at the first dawn to go to the palace of night where they hoped to find the bluebird several of the party failed to answer to their names when the roll was called milk for whom any sort of excitement was bad was keeping her room water sent an excuse she was accustomed always to travel in a bed of moss was already half dead with fatigue and was afraid of falling ill as for light she had been on bad terms with night since the world began and fire as a relation shared her dislike light kissed the children and told tylo the way for it was his business to lead the expedition and the little band set out upon its road you can imagine dear tylo trotting ahead on his hind legs like a little man with his nose in the air his tongue dangling down his chin his front paws folded across his chest he fidgets, sniffs about, runs up and down, covering twice the ground without minding how tired it makes him. He is so full of his own importance that he disdains the temptations on his path. He neglects the rubbish heaps, pays no attention to anything he sees, and cuts all his old friends. Poor Tylo, he was so delighted to become a man, and yet he was no happier than before. Of course, life was the same to him, because his nature had remained unchanged. What was the use of his being a man if he continued to feel and think like a dog? In fact, his troubles were increased a hundredfold by the sense of responsibility that now weighed upon him. Oh, he said with a sigh, for he was joining blindly in his little god's search, without for a moment reflecting that the end of the journey would mean the end of his life. Oh, he said, if I got hold of that rascal of a bluebird, trust me, I wouldn't touch him even with the tip of my tongue not if he were as plump and as sweet as a quail red followed solemnly carrying the cage the two children came next and sugar brought up the rear but where was the cat to discover the reason of her absence we must go a little way back and read her thoughts at the time when tylette called a meeting of the animals and things in the fairy's hall she was contemplating a great plot which would aim at prolonging the journey but she had reckoned without the stupidity of her hearers. The idiots, she thought, have very nearly spoiled the whole thing by foolishly throwing themselves at the fairy's feet as though they were guilty of a crime. It is better to rely on oneself alone. In my cat life, all our training is founded on suspicion i can see that it is just the same in the life of men those who confide in others are only betrayed it is better to keep silent and to be treacherous one's self as you see my dear little readers the cat was in the same position as the dog she had not changed her soul and was simply continuing her former existence but of course she was very wicked whereas our dear Tylo was, if anything, too good. Tylet therefore resolved to act on her own account and went, before daybreak, to call on Night, who was an old friend of hers. 
the road to the palace of night was rather long and rather dangerous it had precipices on either side of it you had to climb up and climb down and then climb up again among high rocks that always seemed waiting to crush the passers-by at last you came to the edge of a dark circle and there you had to go down thousands of steps to reach the black marble underground palace in which night lived the cat who had often been there before raced along the road light as a feather her cloak borne on the wind streamed like a banner behind her the plume in her hat fluttered gracefully and her little grey kid boots hardly touched the ground she soon reached her destination and in a few bounds came to the great hall where night was it was really a wonderful sight night stately and grand as a queen reclined upon her throne she slept and not a glimmer not a star twinkled around her but we know that the night had no secrets for cats and that their eyes have the power of piercing the darkness so tylette saw night as though it were broad daylight before waking her she cast a loving glance at that motherly and familiar face it was white and silvery as the moon and its unbending features inspired both fear and admiration night's figure which was half visible through her long black veils was as beautiful as that of a greek statue she had long arms and a pair of enormous wings now furled and sleet came from her shoulders to her feet and gave her a look of majesty beyond compare still in spite of her affection for her best of friends tylette did not waste too much time in gazing at her it was a critical moment and time was short tired and jaded and overcome with anguish she sank upon the steps of the throne and meowed plaintively it is i mother of night i am worn out night is of an anxious nature and easily alarmed her beauty built up of peace and response possesses the secret of silence which life is constantly disturbing a star shooting through the sky a leaf falling to the ground the hoot of an owl a mere nothing is enough to tear the black velvet pall which she spreads over the earth each evening the cat therefore had not finished speaking when night sat up all quivering her immense wings beat around her and she questioned tylette in a trembling voice as soon as she had learned the danger that threatened her she began to lament her fate what a man's son coming to her palace and perhaps with the help of the magic diamond discovering her secrets what should she do what would become of her how could she defend herself and forgetting that she was sinning against the silence her own particular god night began to utter piercing screams it was true that falling into such a commotion was hardly likely to help her find a cure for her troubles likely for her tylette who was accustomed to the annoyance and worries of human life was better armed she had worked out her plan when going ahead of the children and she was hoping to persuade night to adopt it she explained this plan to her in a few words i see only one thing for it mother night as they are children we must give them such a fright that they will not dare to insist on opening the great door at the back of the hall behind which the birds of the moon live and generally the bluebird too the secrets of the other caverns will be sure to scare them the hope of our safety lies in the terror which you will make them feel there was clearly no other course to take but night had not time to reply 
for she heard a sound then her beautiful features contracted her wings spread out angrily and everything in her attitude told tylette that night approved of her plan here they are cried the cat the little band came marching down the steps of night's gloomy staircase tylo pranced bravely in front whereas tyltyl looked around him with an anxious glance he certainly found nothing to comfort him it was all very magnificent but very terrifying picture a huge wonderful black marble hall of a stern and tomb-like splendour there is no ceiling visible and the ebony pillars that surround the amphitheatre shoot up to the sky it is only when you lift your eyes up there that you catch the faint light falling from the stars everywhere the thickest darkness reigns two restless flames no more flicker on either side of night's throne before a monumental door of brass bronze doors show through the pillars to the right and left the cat rushed up to the children this way little master this way i have told night and she is delighted to see you Tylet's soft voice and smile made tyltyl feel himself again and he walked up to the throne with a bold and confident step saying good day mrs knight knight was offended by the word good day which reminded her of her eternal enemy light and answered dryly good day i'm not used to that you might say good night or at least good evening our hero was not prepared to quarrel he felt very small in the presence of that stately lady he quickly begged her pardon as nicely as he could and very gently asked her leave to look for the bluebird in her palace i have never seen him he is not here exclaimed knight flapping her great wings to frighten the boy but when he insisted and gave no sign of fear she herself began to dread the diamond which by lighting up her darkness would completely destroy her power and she thought it better to pretend to yield to an impulse of generosity and at once to point to the big key that lay on the steps of the throne without a moment's hesitation tyltyl seized hold of it and ran to the first door of the hall everybody shook with fright bread's teeth chattered in his head sugar who was standing some way off moaned with mortal anguish mytel howled where is sugar i want to go home meanwhile tyltyl pale and resolute was trying to open the door while knight's grave voice rising above the din proclaimed the first danger it's the ghosts oh dear thought tyltyl i have never seen a ghost it must be awful the faithful tylo by his side was panting with all his might for dogs hate anything uncanny at last the key grated in the lock silence reigned as dense and heavy as the darkness no one dared draw a breath then the door opened and in a moment the gloom was filled with white figures running in every direction some lengthened out right up to the sky others twined themselves around the pillars others wriggled ever so fast along the ground they were something like men but it was impossible to distinguish their features the eye could not catch them the moment you looked at them they turned into a white mist tyltyl did his best to chase them for mrs knight kept to the plan contrived by the cat and pretended to be frightened she had been the ghost's friend for hundreds and hundreds of years and had only to say a word to drive them in again but she was careful to do nothing of the sort and flapping her wings like mad she called upon all her gods and screamed drive them away drive them away help help but the poor ghosts who hardly ever came out now that man no longer believed in them were much too happy at taking a breath of air 
and had it not been that they were afraid of Tyler, who tried to bite their legs, they would never have been put back indoors. Woof! gasped the dog when the door was shut at last. I have strong teeth, goodness knows, but chaps like those I never saw before. When you bite them, you'd think their legs were made of cotton. By this time, Tiltil was making for the second door and asking, What's behind this one? Knight made a gesture as though to put him off. Did the obstinate little fellow really want to see everything? Must I be careful when I open it? Asked Tiltil. No! Said Knight. It is not worthwhile. It's the sicknesses. They are very quiet, the poor little things. Man, for some time, has been waging such war upon them. Open and see for yourself. Tiltil threw the door wide open and stood speechless with astonishment. There was nothing to be seen. He was just about to close the door again when he was hustled aside by a little body in a dressing gown and a cotton nightcap who began to frisk about the hall, wagging her head and stopping every minute to cough, sneeze and blow her nose and to pull on her slippers, which were too big for her and kept dropping off her feet. Sugar, Bread and Tiltil were no longer frightened and began to laugh like anything, but they had no sooner come near the little person in the cotton nightcap than they themselves began to cough and sneeze. It's the least important of the sicknesses, said Knight. It's cold in the head. Oh dear! Oh dear! thought Sugar. If my nose keeps on running like this, I'm done for! I shall melt. Poor Sugar. He did not know where to hide himself. He had become very much attached to life since the journey began, for he had fallen over head and ears in love with water, and yet this love caused him the greatest worry. Miss Water was a tremendous flirt, expected a lot of attention, and was not particular with whom she mixed. But mixing too much with water was an expensive luxury, as poor Sugar found to his cost. For at every kiss he gave her, he left a bit of himself behind, until he began to tremble for his life. When he suddenly found himself attacked by a cold in the head, he would have had to fly from the palace. But for the timely aid of our dear Tyler, who ran after the little minx and drove her back into her cavern, amidst the laughter of Tiltil and Mytil, who thought gleefully that, so far, the trial had not been very terrible. The boy, therefore, ran to the next door with still greater courage. Take care, cried Knight in a dreadful voice. It's the wars! They are more powerful than ever. I don't think what would happen if one of them broke loose. Stand ready, all of you, to push back the door. Knight had not finished uttering her warnings when the plucky little fellow repented his rashness. He tried in vain to shut the door which he had opened. An invincible force was pushing it from the other side. Streams of blood flowed through the cracks. Flames shot forth. Shouts oaths and groans mingled with the roar of cannon and the rattle of musketry everything in the palace of night was running about in wild confusion bread and sugar tried to take to flight but could not find the way out and they now came back to tiltil and put their shoulders to the door with despairing force the cat pretended to be anxious while secretly rejoicing. This may be the end of it, she said, curling her whiskers. They won't dare go on after this. <laughs> Dear Tylo made superhuman efforts to help his little master, while Miltul stood crying in a corner. At last our hero gave a shout of triumph. Hooray! They're giving way! Victory! Victory! The door is shut! At the same time, he dropped on the steps 
utterly exhausted dabbing his forehead with his poor little hands which shook with terror well asked knight harshly have you had enough did you see them yes yes replied the little fellow sobbing they are hideous and awful i don't think they have the bluebird you may be sure they haven't answered knight angrily if they had they would eat him at once you see there is nothing to be done tyltyl drew himself up proudly i must see everything he declared light said so it's an easy thing to say retorted knight when one's afraid and stays at home let us go to the next door said tyltyl resolutely what's in here this is where i keep the shades and the terrors tyltyl reflected for a minute as far as shades go he thought mrs knight is poking fun at me it's more than an hour since i've seen anything but shade in this house of hers and i shall be very glad to see daylight again as for the terrors if they are anything like the ghosts we shall have another good joke our friend went to the door and opened it before his companions had time to protest for that matter they were all sitting on the floor exhausted with the last fright and they looked at one another in astonishment glad to find themselves alive after such a scare meanwhile tyltyl threw back the door and nothing came out there's no one there he said yes there it is yes there is look out said knight who was still shamming fright she was simply furious she had hoped to make a great impression with her terrors and lo and behold the wretches who had so long been snubbed by man were afraid of him she encouraged them with kind words and succeeded in coaxing out a few tall figures covered in grey veils they began to run all around the hall until hearing the children laugh they were seized with fear and rushed indoors again the attempt had failed as far as night was concerned and the dread hour was about to strike already tyltyl was moving towards the big door at the end of the hall a few last words took place between them do not open that one said knight in awe-struck tones why not because it's not allowed then it's here that the bluebird is hidden go no further do not tempt fate do not open that door but why again asked tyltyl obstinately thereupon knight irritated by his persistence flew into a rage hurled the most terrible threats at him and ended by saying no one of those who have opened it were it by a hair's breadth but have ever returned alive to the light of day it means certain death and all the horrors all the terrors all the fears of which men speak on earth are as nothing compared with those which await of you if you insist on touching that door don't do it master dear said bread with chattering teeth don't do it take pity on us i implore you on my knees you are sacrificing the lives of all of us meowed the cat i won't i shan't sobbed mytel pity pity whined sugar wringing her fingers all of them were weeping and crying all of them crowded around tyltyl dear tylo alone who respected his little master's wishes dared not speak a word though he fully believed that his last hour had come two big tears rolled down his cheeks and he licked tyltyl's hands in despair it was really a most touching scene and for a moment our hero hesitated his heart beat wildly his throat was parched with anguish 
he tried to speak and could not get out a sound besides he did not wish to show weakness in the presence of his hapless companions if i have not the strength to fulfil my task he said to himself who will fulfil it if my friends behold my distress it's all up to me they will not let me go through with my mission and i shall never find the blue bird at this thought the boy's heart leaped within his breast and all his generous nature rose in rebellion it would never do to be perhaps within arm's reach of happiness and not to try for it at the risk of dying in the attempt to try for it and hand it over at last to all mankind that settled it tyltyl resolved to sacrifice himself like a true hero he brandished the heavy golden key and cried i must open the door he ran up to the great door with tylo panting by his side the poor dog was half dead with fright but his pride and his devotion to tyltyl obliged him to smother his fears i shall stay he said to his master uh, i'm not afraid i shall stay with my little god in the meantime all the others had fled bread was crumbling to bits behind a pillar sugar was melting in a corner with mytel in his arms night and the cat both shaking with fury kept to the far end of the hall then tyltyl gave tylo a last kiss pressed him to his heart and with never a tremble put the key in the lock yells of terror came from all of the corners of the hall where the runaways had taken shelter while the two leaves of the great door opened by magic in front of our little friend who was struck dumb with admiration and delight what an exquisite surprise a wonderful garden lay before him a dream garden filled with flowers that shone like stars waterfalls that came rushing from the sky and trees which the moon had clothed in silver and then there was something whirling like a blue cloud among the clusters of roses tyltyl rubbed his eyes he could not believe his senses he waited looked again and then dashed into the gardens shouting like mad come quickly come quickly they are here we have them at last millions of bluebirds thousands of millions come mytel come tylo come all help me you can catch them by the handfuls reassured at last his friends came running up and all darted in among the birds seeing who could catch the most i've caught seven already cried mytel i can't hold them nor can i said tyltyl i have too many of them they're escaping from my arms tylo has some too let us go out let us go light is waiting for us how pleased she will be this way this way and they all danced and scampered away in their glee singing songs of triumph as they went night and the cat who had not shared in the general rejoicing crept back anxiously to the great door and night whimpered haven't they got him no said the cat who saw the real bluebird perched high on a moonbeam they could not reach him he kept too high our friends all in a haste ran up the numberless stairs between them and the daylight each of them hugged the birds which he had captured never dreaming that every step which brought them nearer to the light was fatal to the poor things so that by the time they came to the top of the staircase they were carrying nothing but dead birds light was waiting for them anxiously well have you caught him she asked yes yes said tyltyl lots of them there are thousands look as he spoke he held out the dear birds to her and saw to his dismay that they were nothing more than lifeless corpses 
their poor little wings were broken and their heads drooped sadly from their necks the boy in his despair turned to his companions alas they too were hugging nothing but dead birds then tyltyl threw himself sobbing in delight's arms once more all his hopes were dashed to the ground do not cry my child said light you did not catch the one that is able to live in broad daylight we shall find him yet of course of we shall course find we him. shall find him said bread and sugar with one voice they were great boobies both of them but they wanted to console the boy as for friend tylo he was so much put out that he forgot his dignity for a moment and looking at the dead birds exclaimed are they good to eat i wonder the party set out to walk back and sleep in the temple of light it was a melancholy journey all regretted the peace of home and felt inclined to blame tyltyl for his want of caution sugar edged up to bread and whispered in his ear don't you think mr chairman that all this excitement is very useless and bread who felt flattered at receiving so much attention answered promptly never you fear my dear fellow i shall put all this right life would be unbearable if we had to listen to all the whimsies of the little madcap to-morrow we shall stay in bed they forgot that but for the boy at whom they were sneering they would never have been alive at all and that if he had suddenly told bread that he must go back to his pan to be eaten and sugar that he was to be cut into small lumps to sweeten daddy till's coffee and mummy till's syrups they would have thrown themselves at their benefactor's feet and begged for mercy in fact they were incapable of appreciating their good luck until they were brought face to face with bad poor things the fairy berrylin when making them a present of their human life ought to have thrown in a little wisdom they were not so much to blame of course they were only following man's example given the power of speaking they jabbered knowing how to judge they condemned able to feel they complained they had hearts which increased their sense of fear without adding to their happiness as to their brains which could easily have arranged all the rest they made so little of them that they had already grown quite rusty and if you could have opened their heads and looked at the works of their life inside you would have seen the poor brains which were their most precious possessions jumping about at every movement they made and rattling in their empty skulls like dried peas in a pod fortunately light thanks to her wonderful insight knew all about their state of mind she determined therefore to employ the elements and things no more than she was obliged to they are useful she thought to feed the children and amuse them on the way but they must have no further share in the trials because they have neither courage nor conviction meanwhile the party walked on the road widened out and became resplendent and at the end the temple of light stood on a crystal height shedding its beams around the tired children made the dog carry them pick-a-back by turns and they were almost asleep when they reached the shining steps the end of chapter four the palace of night read by ian king